save the king! Her Royal Highness is the proud and happy mother of a prince. The salute is fired, and in the monarch's home lies the infant boy who will one day be king. I too now solemnly pledge myself throughout the remaining time God grants me to uphold the constitutional principles at the heart of our nation. I shall endeavor to serve you with loyalty, respect, and love as I have throughout my life. This is the BBC Home Service. It has been announced officially from Buckingham Palace during the past hour that Her Royal Highness, the Princess Elizabeth, Duchess of Edinburgh, was safely delivered of a prince at 9.14 p.m. today. And that Her Royal Highness and her son are both doing well. Well, Charles growing up in the post-war era of Britain was a completely different situation to his children and his grandchildren because Britain was obviously coming out of the uh, emergence of a very dark period of war. Uh, and certainly his relationships with his family were very, very different to the relationships that he has with his own children and grandchildren now. I mean, we talk about a British stiff upper lip, and that certainly was uh, archetypal of a, of a war era. And, uh, and Charles has really tried to break down the barriers of that with his family and to create a different feeling, certainly with the younger members. Prince Charles's relationship with his own father, Prince Philip, was pretty strained in those early years and certainly the Duke of Edinburgh didn't suffer fools. I think we've all come to know what sort of character he was and Charles had a, a difficult relationship with him. Certainly when he was sent to boarding school in Scotland, he, uh, he compared Gordonston to more like a camp that he didn't want to be at. And he really didn't sort of find his feet as a person until his later teenage years. Certainly he'd spoken about going to Australia, being given the freedom uh, to have six months in the country. And uh, that relationship with his father did get better as he got older. But uh, in those early years, Charles certainly found it difficult. Prince Charles, the future King of England, becomes a college freshman. Lord Butler, Master of Trinity, greets the Prince, who will major in archaeology and anthropology. The heir to the throne looks like his mother and walks like his father. Well, Charles' relationship with the late Queen was very, very close. I think he was obviously in complete uh, awe of her. He definitely respected the boundaries of her role as a mother and the role of Queen. Um, but he certainly suffered when the Queen would go away for long periods of time and certainly after taking the throne, that six-month stint of being abroad, Charles has said that uh, he, he felt that that wasn't the right, right way to go about bringing up children. And, uh, and Charles certainly would have taken different elements of his uh, parents' upbringing for bringing his own children up. Difficult to find that sort of word, isn't it, really? Just delighted and, and happy. And I, I, I'm amazed that she's uh, been brave enough to take me on. <laughs> well, on the face of it, it looked like it was all going well. Dinah had been sort of hand-picked by members of the royal family to be Charles's bride. She was considerably younger than him at 19 years old. But the cracks were beginning to show that infamous interview where he was asked, uh, are, they, are you in love? And he said, whatever love is. Of course. <laughs> Whatever in love means. <laughs>
I, Charles Philip Arthur George, take thee, Diana Francis, to my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death us do part. I pronounce that they be man and wife together, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Everybody was saying, good luck, and I hope everything goes well, and how lucky you are to be engaged to such a lovely lady. And my goodness, I was lucky enough to marry her. And uh, we had many, many messages. It's amazing what ladies do when you're backstage. <laughs> Well, it's difficult because on royal tours there's definitely a set schedule, it's a, at a feverish pace a lot of the time and it's, it's all smiles for the cameras and that's how the royals are taught to behave. But I think we've heard over the years of how Charles reacted to the fact that he realised that Diana was the bigger star and he had been preparing all his life for uh, becoming the Prince of Wales then into becoming the King one day and he wasn't really content with someone taking his thunder but I think you know, had he dealt with that differently, then maybe their relationship wouldn't have set upon the path that it did so quickly into the relationship. Our small son, William, all we can say is that it has been the greatest possible joy and pleasure to have him with us during this visit. But I hope that his presence here has helped to provide that family feeling, which I know my wife and I feel is so important. The issue of their relationship pretty much disintegrating within the public eye was very, very difficult for Charles and Diana and other members of the family to get their heads around because I think it always been a stiff upper lip, never complain, never explain. That was the royal family's mantra for so long. And because of the attention on the, not only the British media, but the world's media and Diana essentially becoming the most famous person in the world. Charles uh, had certain difficulties with dealing with that, but so did Diana as well. And those cracks in their relationship were, were very, very hard to repair from then on. Well, Charles certainly had made some mistakes in the relationship and you look back at the infamous interviews that they've both given from the BBC, both admitting adultery, both admitting that there were huge issues within their relationship that they should have tackled head on. Of course I think there would have been huge regret on both sides about how the relationship did end up, 
but, uh, but certainly they found themselves in this huge machine that they were finding impossible to, to get along, both inside the palace and outside it. Thank you so much. Thank you. What I say to you now, as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from my heart. First, I want to pay tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. In good times and bad, she never lost her capacity to smile and laugh, nor to inspire others with her warmth and kindness. I admired and respected her for her energy and commitment to others, and especially for her devotion to her two boys. I, for one, believe there are lessons to be drawn from her life and from the extraordinary and moving reaction to her death. I share in your determination to cherish her memory. Well, after Diana's death, Charles really did have to assume the sole responsibility for his children. It was not just enough for them to be in the, the palace machine. They really did need looking after. And his relationship with both his boys had gone through its ups and downs. And without the love and comfort of their mother, Charles was really going to have to step up to the plate. And whether he's got it right all the time, I think you know Charles would definitely say that there were mistakes made along the way, certainly after Diana's death as well, but um, I think that the relationships with his boys now have, have gone through ups and downs, it's pretty clear. Charles had certainly a huge issue on his hand. The public were very heavily weighted in Diana's favour and the relationship breakdown did him absolutely no favours of how it uh, played out, not only within the palace, but within the media as well. Well, there was a big PR campaign inside the palace to try and change the public's perception of Camilla. I mean, she was public enemy number one. There were people chasing her around supermarkets, remonstrating with her in the streets. I mean, throwing things in her direction while shouting at her. It was very, very unsavoury. She really did need a thick skin, but she really did just roll her sleeves up and get on with the job. And I think when you look at how she has worked within the royal family, she's had uh, particularly testing time, but um, absolutely should be celebrated for the, for the hard work she's done and, and the lives she's changed with her, with her work within the royal family. But could prevent the suffering my mother, grandmother and thousands of people worldwide have and had to endure. Thank you. Well, in 2005, when Charles and Camilla got married, the public opinion was still heavily weighted against Charles and Camilla. I mean, there were still conversations about whether he would even be king. Certainly, uh, Buckingham Palace were adamant that she would never be known as queen or queen consort. It was only princess consort at the time. And you now look at the situation we have now, the late queen's unprecedented statement during her platinum jubilee year, where she said, it was a sincere wish that Camilla be known as Queen Consort. It's been an absolute PR masterstroke in some sense because from going from public enemy number one to being known as 
the Queen in this country is a, is a remarkable turnaround. There will be some people that say, you know, unfortunately there was a horrific fallout with his relationship with Diana and of course her death, but his relationship with Camilla has lasted the test of time. Do you ever have disagreements about things? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, healthy, healthy disagreements. Okay, the last thing you disagreed on, how do you resolve it? Uh, I can't remember, they come so thick and forth. <laughs> Working as, as family does have its challenges, of course it does. Everybody here, the fact that everyone's laughing means that everybody knows exactly what it's like. Um, but, um, look, you know, we're, we're, we're stuck together for the rest of our lives, so... <laughs> This is true. Togetherness at its Well, first and foremost, Charles is crestfallen at Harry and Meghan's departure, not only because he was relying on them to be part of this slimmed-down monarchy, uh, using their superstar status. I mean, it was pretty apparent wherever they went together, then they were a huge success. And I think the, uh, the burden really lies with the entire family because Meghan and Harry not being part of the institution and making that a success is something that I think a lot of people regret. And personally, his own relationship with his son, who he much loves, is been damaged possibly beyond repair and Charles has said to both his children, Harry said in his book, that he wanted them to stop quarrelling certainly in his final years and not make his final years a misery. Harry and Meghan could have been a huge asset to not only the royal family, not only the British public but the Commonwealth. I mean this is an institution that really does need dragging in to the modern era sometimes and Meghan being uh, a famous actress, she had been working with charities, she's a fantastic orator from a mixed race heritage background. I mean it was all there to be a perfect marriage and yet the wheels came off pretty much from the off. For Charles there will be certain regrets of how the Meghan and Harry situation was handled and there will be questions as to whether both sides could have handled things differently. But. Um, I suppose uh, there will still be a, a long way to go before those relationships are mended. I speak to you today with feelings of profound sorrow. Throughout her life, Her Majesty the Queen, my beloved mother, was an inspiration, an example to me and to all my family. And we owe her the most heartfelt debt any family could owe to their mother for her love, affection, guidance, understanding and example.
When I first saw that speech that Charles gave, I couldn't help but thinking how measured he was. And I mean, his eyes looked glazed. There was no doubt he was very, very emotional. And of course, his mother had just passed away. But he was going to assume this role that he'd been waiting his whole life for. And the weight of responsibility that must have been on him whilst delivering those words was absolutely massive. But I think we saw a human side to Charles. Charles's life has been shaped not only by his role of Prince of Wales, but also the fact that he had to wait for his mother to die in order to assume his role as king. And you just have to look at how he's transitioned from being an awkward prince into setting up charities, changing people's lives for the better, and being a fantastic ambassador, on the whole, for not only the family, but for Britain. And when he gave that speech after the Queen's death, his first speech to the nation, the Commonwealth, indeed the world who was listening, talking about unity and togetherness, not only of his own family, by saying that Harry and Meghan were mentioned as much as William and Kate. I think that gives you a clear indication of where Charles and his loyalties lie and how he wants his legacy to be shaped, certainly in these early months and years of his reign. I too now solemnly pledge myself throughout the remaining time God grants me to uphold the constitutional principles at the heart of our nation. And wherever you may live in the United Kingdom or in the realms and territories across the world, and whatever may be your background or beliefs, I shall endeavor to serve you with loyalty, respect, and love as I have throughout my life. The coronation is a huge chance for the monarchy to revamp into the modern era. And we've often said that it is an archaic institution. They've had the issues of scandal and infighting in abundance within the family over the last few years. And certainly Meghan and Harry leaving the scandal of Prince Andrew leaving in disgrace uh, these are big issues that Charles does need to tackle head on. There's also the business of the Republican movement, not only just at home, which is making bigger noises by the day, but abroad as well. And if we see uh, a cascade of Caribbean nations turning their back against the monarchy, then that could be really tricky for Charles in the first few years of his reign. However, he will want those messages of unity and togetherness to go forward, not only in these first few months but obviously throughout his whole reign and I think he's got a few problems to deal with but, uh, but no doubt he'll try and hit the ground running. I think you'll be hard pressed to find anyone who has known Charles throughout the years or spent any time in his company to not think he is a thoroughly decent man who wants to do the right by people but in saying that he's now the head of an arguably archaic institution and over the last few years the monarchy has really struggled to make itself relevant in a modern world and that is definitely going to be one of Charles's big major issues to tackle in the infancy of his reign and of course at 74 years old his reign will be considerably shorter than that of his mother's and for Charles to hit the ground running to cement his legacy he's going to need to do an awful lot of work in those first few years. Pod save the king!